Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. Uh, So we've been in the book of Mark, for those of you who are new with us, we've been in the book of Mark for several weeks now. Um, Last week, specifically, Pastor Kite uh, talked about the parable of the sower. He focused in on the different types of soils and also how we are called to be co-laborers. He talked about the soil that had been traveled a lot and it gotten so compacted. He talked about the thorny soil that were the things that grab hold. And then he talked about the good soil, the richness, the soil that God is doing a work with us and in us. And so Jesus is still talking to his disciples at this point in Mark. And he is speaking in what's called a parable. Jesus wasn't the only one that talked in parables in his day. Um, Many rabbis would use this form of teaching. Um, I think uh, any teachers in here, any teachers, we use um, different ways to make our point all the time. Parents, um, or even as children, we make our point by coming up with different ideas, analogies, so that the point can be better understood. And that's what Jesus is doing with his disciples in these two short parables, these two illustrations. He's got this light to be put up on a lampstand, this indoor, very domestic, understood, what this light to shine in this dark place would look like. And then he goes to an agricultural, an outdoor expression, the seed planted in the ground, being able to take root and take soil. So again, I want to welcome our children into Family Worship Sunday this morning. I'm excited to see you. And here are a few words that I want you all to pay attention to that you'll hear me say over and over and over again. The first being light, the second is seed, and then third will be the kingdom of God. Light, seed, and kingdom of God. And so as we prepare for our time this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the things that maybe are not our responsibility necessarily, but simply just a discipline for us to follow. Then we're going to spend some time even talking about some of the challenges and responsibilities that are ours and that um, the Lord has called us to in order to co-labor with him in these things. But before I get started, I just want to pause for a second and just ask you, if you would, just kind of think very missionally as we think about this idea of taking God's word and going with it. I love the idea of the biblical perspectives class because it does just that. It gives us an idea of all the different ways and varieties of which God's light has been spread, how the seed has been scattered. And it reminds me of even some of those who have been sent out from our church body, Hannah, Liv that was here a couple of weeks ago, and Bailey George that was actually here last Sunday um, during the uh, baptism service. And I just think about how fortunate and how neat it is to know those close. And I'm sure there are tons of people that you all know in your own lives that have taken the gospel or are taking the gospel to the places and to the unknown. And it's just really exciting to think about. But as we put on our missional minds, I do just want to pause for a moment. And just pray for us and ask God to enter this space. Will you pray with me? God, even though you're already here, won't you come? Won't you meet us? Won't you give us ears to hear? 
eyes to see, minds to perceive, hearts to welcome. God, I pray that you would just give this word this morning, that you would give it legs, that you would take it um, and do something with it. May my words not be heard, but yours, Father, because your word won't return void. Father, may you bring fresh wind to us. May you breathe fresh life in us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody agree with what it said? Amen. Amen. Verse 21 reads as follows. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? So back to my Christmas people. Where y'all at this morning? Any Christmas people? All right, so there's several different types of Christmas people. They're like, it's safe for us to recognize it right now, but some of us, like as soon as Labor Day hits, we're like throwing off stuff. We're like, all right, where are all the Christmas lights? And we're mapping out exactly how we're going to decorate our homes. We don't even wait for Halloween to get here or Thanksgiving to get here. We just go for it. But, and then some of us are like, nope, Thanksgiving has to come first. Very structured in my planning. This is exactly how I got to do it. Those are my people. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so this year, we decided to decorate. We didn't go big with, like, inflatables and stuff. We did a little bit, you know, six of us, so I'm not the only boat in the house. But uh, we did put up some Christmas lights. And so up and down the ladder I went, up and down the ladder I went, and put up some Christmas lights this year. And I was proud of them. And then when it gets dark, how much good would it actually do if I never turned on those lights? How much good would it benefit anyone to never even see the light? Or consider, um, for the sake of this morning, thinking about lamps in the in, in first century, um, a lot of them worked by oil and wicks. So has anybody ever seen those like gas lamps or those gas lanterns? And they have these really long wicks or maybe a tiki torch. You're a little bit more Less, more, a little bit less fancy, like me. Uh, <laughs> the tiki torch, you know, they have these long wicks, and after you've burned them, after you burn them, what do you have to do with them? You have to put it out, and then you have to cut the wick so you'll be able to light it again. But they require work. They require oil. They require a little bit of cutting and pruning. So I want us to keep the idea of this light, and then sometimes light taking a little bit of work in mind as we explore this passage this morning. So at first sight, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Now, is anyone in here, I got a lot of elementary school kids or even parents, would anyone take a nightlight and put it under the bed? It wouldn't do any good, right? So this question, it almost seems rhetorical. It almost seems like, why would Jesus ask that? And it's because he's setting it up. And I think back, anytime I hear this word light, it reminds me of the Genesis story. Within the first three verses, there's dark, and it says that, let there be light. God commands it. He thrusts light onto this canvas of darkness to be able to show his power, show his glory, and to be able to provide a way. From the very beginning of this scripture, from the very beginning of his word, he is talking about how important it is and how something does happen when light enters into a dark place. And so God's first command, and this first one, this first idea of a lamp, it's like, what do we do with the light that we have? 
this light that we have is not to be hidden. And this light specifically, if we look back and as we look ahead into the book of Mark, the light that he's talking about at this point is not necessarily some of the other scriptures that we've heard with Jesus being the light of the world. He is the light of the world. It's just not exactly what he's talking about in this particular scripture. What Jesus is saying is there is a light, it is the kingdom of God, and it is coming and it is here to rule and reign. And it is our responsibility to be co-laborers with him in sharing that light. Now, what is the kingdom of God? I'm going to give several descriptions throughout our time today. But one of the first things I love to think about with the kingdom of God is that it's inclusive. It allows for us to be a part. It allows for us that have understood the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ now we get the opportunity to sit with him and also be co-laborers with him, doing something, being a light to the oppressed, being a light to the marginalized, being responsive, being co-laborers with him. He's saying the light has been revealed to his disciples at this point. He's been talking about himself and revealing himself. And he says these things have been revealed, but more specifically revealed to his disciples. And then he says, this light has been revealed to them. And I pray this morning that his light is revealed to you. And as it's revealed to you, what will we do with it? Are we going to cover it up? Are we going to put the dimmer on? Are we going to hide it? Are we going to put it under a bed? Are we going to shove it in a corner? No. He says put it up high. Put it on a lampstand so it can give light to the whole house so that everyone can see. And what he's saying is it's more than just a dissemination of information, but it's a transformation of heart, mind, body, and soul. It matters exactly how we live our lives. It matters the words that we say. It matters exactly what we do. That's what he's saying to his disciples this morning. And if I asked any of us, none of us would go into a dark room, need light, shine light, and then cover it right back. Right? Let's continue. Verse 22. But whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. So at first thought, my mind uh, reading this, I was thinking about that passage in Luke where things that are secret are going to be known and the secrets will be shouted from the rooftops. It's not exactly what Jesus is saying right here. He's still talking about something about the nature of the kingdom of God. What he's saying is that it may have a covered beginning, a dark beginning, but it is meant to grow incrementally more and more and more as we spend time with him as we spend time closely with him in his word in prayer with him in relationship with him he's saying that it will grow incrementally it's not meant to stay a secret it's not meant to be disclosed it's meant to be revealed to everyone not just who we choose but everyone everywhere we go now people can accept it Say, yeah, that's mine, or they can reject it. It's not up to us ultimately. It's up to him. We are called to be faithful. 
We are called to be faithful with what's given us and continue on to bring his light everywhere, everywhere we go. Then he continues in verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. First thought comes to mind. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And I think about um, in the Old Testament, there is this, this call that they used to have. The Hebrews would have this call. They had this word, Shema. Say Shema. Everybody say Shema. 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 And it's really just a prayer that they would pray. Shema Yisrael. Adonai 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 Achad. You shall love the Lord your God. Hear, O Israel. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and strength. And it was this call, this prayer that they would do in the Old Testament. And they would do it daily or multiple times a day. But it's more than just saying, hear, listen. What Jesus is saying here, it's also a command. It's also action language. It's also hearing, but I'm calling you to obey. I'm calling you towards something. I'm not just calling you to listen. I'm calling you to do something. Pay attention because what I'm about to say is important. That's what Jesus is saying right here. Then he continues in verse 24. He says, consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, who has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So anybody in here get in the gym? Anybody? No? I know y'all fit. I'm sitting up here looking at you. Absolutely. Um, Pastor Raven has lost a ton of weight over here. So I didn't mean to put you on blast like that. You're looking, you're looking good, man. Um, and Pastor Plunk, I, oh, I, ooh. So I got permission, but my man has been on the bench press. I know y'all seen him. I know y'all seen him. Yeah, he's been, he been the pastor of the bench press. He's no longer the fun shirt pastor, bench press pastor. And several of y'all, Seth, Seth Klein, we got Seth. There he is. Yeah, Seth be getting, yeah. Yeah, and Frank, I, that's all right, that's all right. Yeah, I think Frank Legree. Yeah, I know y'all be getting in the gym in here. That's all right. You know, I recently got back into lifting weights, and then one of the things I began to realize is I couldn't do what I used to do because I had not been doing it as long. And I think that's a little bit of what Jesus is saying here. The more we spend time with him, the more we spend time understanding what the light is, the more we will be able to do with it. We'll be able to do incrementally more the more we're committed with him, the more we're spending time with him. And... <clears throat> You know, if I think back to putting my light on a lampstand, I think the times that I really want to put my light on my lampstand is when I've got it all figured out. When I've got everything lined out exactly how to say it, exactly how to do it, exactly how it's supposed to be done. And if I'm truthful with all of you and myself, and I am, in those moments, I'm really just building my own kingdom. Because I'm really just concerned about how I look and how I'm going to be perceived. Rather than sitting in his word and understanding what he's trying to do with the light of his kingdom. And it's difficult sometimes. And when I think about like 
getting in the gym or, or thinking about, you know, spiritual maturity, it's really easy to start and go for a little bit. But you get three months in, it gets difficult. You may not be seeing the gains that you want. You may not see the results that you want. A lot of us, when we first have that first relationship with Jesus, we're excited. There's a lot of newness to it. We get about three months in, things that felt like freedom don't, maybe don't feel like freedom anymore. They may feel like bondage. But the more we understand what it's like to sit and stay committed and give attention to what the Lord is calling us to do, the more spiritual growth begins to take place within our lives. And so I need to remind myself constantly that I need to stay rooted in his goodness and his grace and stay firmly planted in the things that he has accomplished and is accomplishing. Because I'm guilty of looking over my shoulder and seeing what other people are doing. I'm very guilty of looking at Jack's life and saying, well, Jack's doing this over here. Or I'm guilty of looking at Paul Carswell's life and say, that's what Emily's doing over there because her win might mean my loss. If Jack's doing great, that might mean I might not be doing as good. Or if Tish isn't doing good, Mike's not doing good, I might look at them and I might pat myself on the back. And I'm not mourning with those who mourn. I'm not actually taking full hope in the kingdom of God. I'm dimming my own light at that point. When it really should allow me to fully take hold with my sisters and brothers. And so when Jack's doing great, when Rich is doing great, when TJ's doing great, I want to rejoice with those who rejoice. And when Mike and Tish, if they aren't doing well, I want to mourn with those who mourn. And I want to pray and wrap my arms around them with empathy. Rather than saying, hey, if they're back, that might mean me moving forward. And it's really coming together, recognizing where someone else's light might be dim. And going in on their behalf and saying, either praise God that their light is so bright. And joining with them. Or, God, won't you wrap your arms around them? Won't you love them? Won't you do something in their lives. And I think as I get distracted like that, <clears throat> I'm prone to wonder, and that's where I really begin to, to covet. And I never understood this idea of why coveting was even in the Ten Commandments, but the more I think about, the more I think about it, if I'm focused on what someone else's light is looking like and not actually thinking about them as my sisters and brothers and what the kingdom of God is truly like, if I'm busy thinking about the things that I don't have, then that's when I begin to make assumptions against God. And it really warrants the wrath of God, but, but that's when I begin to say, God, if only, or God, I deserve rather than sitting in the goodness of the things that he has given me and delighting in his light so that I can carry it out, so that I can put it on display on the lampstand for him. It's a familiarity with God and his actions and his kingdom, and it allows us to take the gospel forward. 
And coveting is actually dimming that light. Paying attention to other people's light. And judgment dims. Paying attention to other people's light and coming along beside them actually brightens the kingdom. And that's what he's calling us to do. I'll keep going. Verse 26, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, and the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Now, um, for those of you who I don't know that well, I'm non-staff pastor here. Um, that means I have a different job that I do by day, um, and it's landscaping, specifically making sure things grow. And so I was highly offended by this passage when I first read it. I was like, this is, a, this is against me. This is saying that my job's not that important. And I think, uh, <laughs> and then after I got out of all my insecurity and all my feelings, um, I began to realize exactly what's being said. And I think there's something beautiful about the nature of the kingdom of God that we can learn here. Do I have any, um, I don't know if they're called plant moms or plant parents. Any plant moms in here? You know, y'all have the indoor plants? No? No? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And so the idea of leaving something and it just dying or the idea of leaving something and it just growing is, it's contrary. It's out of mind. Like, we don't get a plant or a seed and say, all right, it'll figure out what it does. It'll do its deal. And it'll go from there. No, we want to take care of it. But that's not what he's saying the kingdom of God is like. There are several things I want to draw from this portion of the text. I'm going to read the next two verses as well. In verse 28. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come couple of things I want us to understand. And I think why this hit me so hard is because I think about those who have been converted and I think about me um, being light of the kingdom of God and showing that light and scattering seed. This says, hey, the actual conversion, it ain't up to you, Jason. It's up to him. And I begin to realize just how passive I really am in people's lives of conversion. That's the first thing. My, my responsibility is to get outside the walls of my church, of my home, of my comfort, and actually take the seed to those. Take the seed to those who have not heard. Take the goodness of the kingdom of God so that he can allow it to take root, so that he can allow it to grow up, to grow fully up. And when I think about a couple of things, one of the things I like to do when I scatter seed is I like to choose the grounds on which I want to go scatter it. Maybe I look at the socioeconomic status of a certain area, and I'm like, I think I need to go scatter seed over there. Or I might look at where certain types of jobs are. I think I need to go scatter over there. But... If I'm constantly paying attention to the Holy Spirit 
then he will lead me. He will lead us in where he is calling us to scatter the seed. And I'm here to tell us this morning that it's every single place that our two feet go. Everywhere we go, we're scared of the seed, the goodness, the grace of God. And his kingdom calls us to do the work. And he has called us to do the work of sharing the light of his kingdom. And it's us who get the opportunity to show up and to delight in the goodness of his grace. And as I take inventory of my own life, I think about what does that mean for me? How do I do that? How do I show up? How do I take his light? And how do I do that? And he calls us to be faithful with what he has given us. Faithful with our stories. Faithful with the things given to us. Because that is him accomplishing something in us so that we can take it to others. And he says, when we've been faithful with what we've been given, we get to see and witness the kingdom of God like we've never imagined. And allow it to take roots in our lives and spread throughout our lives like we never even imagined. This idea of the seed growing on its own reminds me um, that it's not up to me. And there's freedom in that. I hope you find freedom in that. And even when I'm not faithful, he's still growing. Even when I'm not faithful, he's still growing. And he can still do a work. And... I think about even my own story of conversion and all the stories of people coming from death to life and beginning to know Jesus in here. And I think about how faithful someone was to do that. Like, let's pause for a moment. We were somebody's prayer request. Somebody shed tears so that you would know the goodness in the greatness of the Most High King. And they wet the grounds time and time again. Somebody's grandma prayed for you. Somebody's granddad prayed for you over and over again. And now we get to actively live out the kingdom of God. And they did it because they knew how the light of the kingdom of God could shine through you. They knew if I would just stay on my knees and pray, that Lydia and Parker Tony would do something incredible for God's kingdom. They knew that if they stayed faithful and they would say, please God, Amanda and Gabe Stillman would do something incredible for God's kingdom. People were faithful. That's what we're called to do, to scatter his seed. Maybe we don't know the harvest. Maybe we don't even get to see the harvest, but we are called to be faithful. So what is the harvest? It's the kingdom of God. It's fully here. It's the already. It's the not yet. It's us all being together. It's us recognizing how wonderful his fullness is. It's us recognizing that there is a way in which we live that may not make sense. There's a way in which we live where we are constantly thinking about how good it is to be less so that others can be more. It's making sure that Jesus got his glory is seen first, not Jason's. And as I think about being a kingdom carrier, um, I'm reminded how sweet it is that we were bought by the blood of Jesus. 
and that I can constantly rest in that. And I think it's worth getting excited about. I mean, the hope that we have to come, and when I think about his kingdom and how things work in his kingdom, it, it should get us all a little excited because it's, it's, it's no doom and gloom. There's no Christmas blues, right? There's a great king that's coming. But we get to be co-laborers. We get to light the way currently with the message given us, with the responsibility given us, the fact that we are disciples, followers, those that are carrying out the work of the Father. So you're like, well, Jason, if, I, if, if I'm retracting and others going forward, that doesn't make any sense. Well, the kingdom of God doesn't always make sense. In Isaiah 35, he gives a little bit of uh, uh, a peek into what it might be like. And he says, in the kingdom on that day, that the wolf and the sheep will lie down together. He says that there will be blossoms in the desert. Don't make sense to me because I'm a landscaper, right? But he said there will be blossoms in the desert and they will bloom abundantly. He says that the lion and the ox will chew hay together. He says, all right, December 7th, overflow. He says the mute will sing for joy. That's what it's like in the kingdom. And it should get us excited because we get to talk about it and share this incredible message of the kingdom of God with our sisters, our brothers, our aunts, our uncles, our friends, our coworkers, our co-laborers, every single place we go. We get to do that. And the more I think about how much I'm looking for uh, uh, building my own kingdom, I'm constantly having to remind myself God's goodness and God's grace and that I would melt into his truth and recognize what it's like for the kingdom of God to be applied. So as I get ready to close... Um, I'm going to go ahead uh, and invite the band on up. Um, I was reminded of this quote. I read uh, this little excerpt from a book called God Dwells Among Us by G.K. Beale. Um, and it's this quote by this guy, Adoniram Judson. And if you've studied him or heard anything about him, there's a couple of things I'd like for you to know. At age 24, he felt the call to ministry. He picked up his life and moved it to Burma. At the time, Burma had no Bible and the Bible had not been translated into their local language. And he said, I'm gonna take what light I have and I'm going to go. I'm gonna be light to these people. And so after many years, he worked extremely hard and he planted a church, and he became a part of the culture, and he got married. His first wife passed away. Got married again. His second wife passed away. Seven of his children died. After 38 years, planted a church, only a few handful of members He says this quote, the path of self-denial is to carnal eyes a veiled path, a mystery of the divine kingdom. But if thou will do 
what thy hands find to do this hour. Thou shalt find the path of self-denial open most wonderfully and delightfully before thee. Thou shalt find it sweet to follow thy dear Lord and Savior. He went through all of that, and he called it sweet. He called it sweet to go. All of that, 18 members. He never got to see the harvest. Today, there are several thousands of people that are now believers because he was faithful. He's faithful with his light. He was faithful with scattering the seed. He lost, he lost all that he had from what might seem like nothing at the time, but he was faithful and he went. And it's sweet to know that he called it sweet. Now, there are several people, like I mentioned, in our church body that have gone all different parts of the world. Bailey and, and Liv, Hannah. And I think about some of you that have just been faithful. I think about Carolyn and Lance Cannington. They wet the ground with their tears over people. They're faithful with everything they have. I think about people that have heeded the call to go and scatter. I think about Tony and Ginger. I think about how they're faithful. I think about Brad and Annie. I think about how they're faithful. I think about Matt and Carrie Dunn. They're faithful. I think about TJ and Bethany. They're faithful. Every single day and everywhere they go, they go and they carry the gospel. I think about Miss Margaret Krause, who continues to pray relentlessly for many of us. She would get snot on her shirt praying for you guys, praying that people would know what it's like to love and share the light of the gospel. It doesn't mean you have to go to Burma. Maybe you are called to go to Burma. But what God is calling us to do, he's calling us to be faithful exactly where we are, the exact things that we have. And there's so many more of you that I hadn't even mentioned. I see, see the brewers out there. They're so faithful. There's so many of you. You're so faithful. And that's really what he's saying. Whatever you've been given, you have this light. Take it. Put it on a lampstand. You have this seed. You have this kingdom of God within you. Scatter it. I'll return, Lord. And, and you know, um, we push back against the darkness by taking our light, the light that is the gospel of Jesus. And as I close, I'll close with this. I hope that we're able to understand the fullness of God this morning. I hope that you're able to understand what it's like to sit with him. Like, it's a little bit crazy, and I've talked about how crazy the kingdom of God is, but I think I like the fact that it's a little bit crazy. 
And I believe in that. And I trust in Jesus in that because there's a lot of faith in that. And it grows my faith more and more and more. And I pray that it grows yours. Like, I believe that he turned all the water in Egypt to blood to kill a fake God. I believe that he parted the Red Sea so that his people could pass through the safety. And I believe that he called a virgin and brought God-made flesh through an unheard of way. And I believe that he talked to dead people and told them to stop playing and they came up out of the dead. I believe that he could tell a fig tree to shrivel up and it would do it. I believe there is power in this man named Jesus and that he is coming to rule and reign, but he's also available. He has something for us special today. And we get to carry that light that is the kingdom of God to our schools, to our jobs, to our grocery stores, to our neighborhoods, to our family gatherings, to each other. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the gospel. So thankful that you're willing to do something, even when we can't. Father, that you shine bright in the darkest hour, that you make things grow, even when it doesn't seem like they should be growing. God, even when I'm not, you're faithful. You're all together lovely. We're so thankful for that. God, would you show us how you would like for us to be light? Would you show us how to properly scatter the seed? Would you go before us and prepare the soil? Father, please be with us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website.